All right. Hey, so today's message is entitled Summer Stride. Uh, summer's officially here. Who's enjoying their summer already? Whoop, whoop. Anybody having fun? Going to the lake? Uh, so for me, uh, school is out. Uh, the pool is open. All right, vacation time. For me, the summer at our house, that means uh, we go to Nan and Poppy's a lot because uh, they got the pool and we don't. All right, so our kids spend a lot of time there. They go to the other grandparents, spend the, the weekend at the lake. They just did that. Uh, side note, every time they go to the lake, one of them, one of my two boys goes so hard, gets dehydrated and throws up. The last three or four times they've done that, they go so hard. They have such a hard time uh, staying hydrated. It's funny. But they love it. They're having so much fun. They just can't do it. And then the other thing that that means for us in the summer is uh, movie nights on the couch, right, where the boys get to sleep in their PJs in the living room. Uh, and they just get to love it and get to enjoy being at home, enjoying that summer season. And it seems like uh, with every new season, there's a sense of some new grooves, right? some new rhythms that happen when, when things change. And so today, what we're going to be looking at is trying to find our summer stride. Uh, I've heard stride defined as this. Stride is walking in, desire, in, in long, desired steps with an intentional direction. Walking in the long, desired steps uh, with an intentional direction. And so we're going to kind of talk about the pace and then the direction. But the first thing... Uh, we're going to talk about, I got to tell you a quick story. Uh, I did cross country in high school. Um, cross country, yeah, yeah. Okay, so get to my first cross country race. Uh, and uh, we had a huge group of people on the cross country team because when I was in high school, you could do athletics for a grade. And cross country is pretty easy, right? All you do is just run and you can get an easy A. Except uh, our coach had so many people that signed up uh, just because they wanted an easy A. He actually started grading us. And so, like, uh, meet was a test score, and if you didn't show up for that, you got a zero. So I actually think I got a B in cross-country one time. I don't know how you do that. Anyways, I go to my very first uh, cross-country meet, and there's a lot of us. And so uh, the coach, like, the starting line is huge because there's, like, a couple hundred kids there are going to run. And he basically puts uh, the, like, you start out really wide, but the part where you go through, it gets really narrow down there. And so he puts all of our good kids right here, like the varsity team kids. And then uh, he puts the JV kids over here on this end. And so there's a bunch of people in between us. Um, I was on this side, okay? I was on this side. But um, he says, here's what I want you to do. He gets all the, the good kids over there. Hey, you're going to have a straight shot. Just go straight. You guys, what I want you to do is I want you to go fast out the gate. I want you to come over. And then I want you to slow down. All right, he basically wanted to use the JV team as a screen uh, so that the other guys who were really good had to weave through all of us to get to, up to catch up to our our fast runners. Um, and so, anyways, that's how he kind of got it going. I'm on this side. He told us to run fast, get in front of everybody. And, you know, there's probably a couple hundred kids in the race. My adrenaline is pumping. It's my first one ever. And so we take off, and I take off as fast as I can and go, you know, 100 meters. And I'm like, okay, hey, I'm on the top of the pack. I feel pretty good. Go a little further. And I'm like, I am winning this thing right now. I am in first place. The problem was um, I didn't slow down to be a screen, right? That was my, my job was to slow down to be a screen. What did I do? I was like, I got this. I'm going to win my first cross-country meet. I might actually be good, for this, good at this. Unfortunately, it's a 5K and not a 200-meter dash. So it did not take too long for my legs to just grow tired, and I had nothing left in the tank at all. I gave it everything I had for like the first 2% of the race, uh, not very far. Uh, and I really felt cool winning, uh, like winning that part of the race. I thought that was going to help me just to feel like I was crushing it. But 
you know, that part felt good, but it felt way worse when I had to stop to a walk within the first mile because I couldn't catch my breath. I was totally done. It felt way worse whenever I had to stop. I learned a lot that day. I, cross country is the worst sport there is. All you do is run. I mean, you ran to basketball, but only when you got in trouble, right? Uh, and the other thing is you have to pace yourself. You have to pace yourself. And that's not only true in cross-country, that's true in life. You can't go all out at the beginning of something and expect to be able to sustain that level. And don't get me wrong, there's times to get after it, but that means there's also needs to be times of rest. And so you gotta find that pace. And so what I want to talk about is for us as individuals and for us as a church body to find our summer stride, to find the pace and the direction that we need to be headed during this summer season. Because if we don't set our pace, someone else will. If we don't set our direction, someone else will. And it will be their priorities, their pace, instead of ours. And so I want to start with pace because we have to be able to finish the race. You've got to be able to keep going. You can't stop. Um, have you ever been behind someone and they are moving at a different pace than you are? Could be walking in a store. Could be driving down the road. Uh, you're moving at different paces um, all right, so there's some of you, all right, this would probably be my wife. She'd be the one in the front who's a little brake happy and light on the gas. Let's go. There's other of us, me, who are in the back going, what are we doing? Why are we slowing down? All right, and, and when people are going at two different paces, you get a little frustrated. What are you, what's going on? Like, and, I, and maybe this is just me, but when I get into Walmart, I got two things I got to get. I know where the creamer is. And I know where the coffee filters are. Like, it's basically something related to coffee when I go in. I got to grab those two things. And I go in there and I get it and I come out. What happens inevitably every single time I'm on a mission? I want to be in and out in five minutes. There's the whole aisle that I picked to go down that's filled with people just moseying. And what happens to me? What are we doing? I'm trying to get out of here, all right? You get frustrated. And so when we're all operating at a different pace. It leads to frustration because we're not on the same page. There's no cohesiveness because things aren't working out the way that you wished they should. Uh, and if I just could be honest, I'm gonna tell myself a little bit. Uh, I had big plans this week. I had some like some checks, check boxes that I wanted to get done um, and nobody else imposed these on me. These are 100% stuff that I wanted to get done. Uh, and it seemed like no matter how hard, like I woke up early so I could go get this done. Nope, can't get it done. You ever had weeks like that where no matter how hard you try to get it going, it's just like you can't get to where you want to get. Maybe you make progress, but it's not where you want to be. And so, uh, like, that, that happened for me all week this week. There's just stuff I wanted to get done, and I could never get, get caught up. I could never get my pace where I wanted it to. And, and that's what happens when, when your pace is actually exceeding the, the space that you're currently in. When your pace is exceeding your space. When, when life is moving faster than you can actually handle it. Because you're so rushed you miss things you wouldn't normally miss. You're short with people uh, that you love. And so what we need is we need space for grace. As when you're in a hurry, uh, when, you're trying to, when I'm trying to go down that aisle at Walmart with all the grandmas looking at all the codes and taking their time, I'm not thinking how to be graceful to them. Not at all. I'm thinking, uh, how do I avoid them? How do I go around them? Maybe I just go to like. We need to make space for grace. And to make the space for grace, there's really a simple thing. We have to move at the pace of grace. We have to move at the pace of grace. 
Um, in the Bible, there are no accounts of Jesus ever being hurried. He's never being hurried. And there were times where people died, right? And he's like, I'll get there when I get there, right? And he's Jesus and we're not. So that was a little different because he like raised him from the dead. Uh, but he's never in a hurry. Jesus was the most present. He's fully present, right? The most present person to ever be on the planet. And think about this. In just three years, that's when his ministry was going for three years. In three years, he fulfilled countless prophecies. And, you know, he died for the sins of humanity, right? He saved us. Uh, we need to move at the pace of grace. And that is an unhurried and a fully present self to be where our feet are. So when it comes to our summer stride, uh, I want you to think about our pace as not a full-out sprint, but maybe walking with purpose, right? Because we need to be unhurried and to be fully present. And I think a lot of us, uh, there's some wisdom to not being uh, interrupted by every little thing, uh, but you know what? We also need to have moments where we can be interrupted, where we can step into someone else's life and be a part of it. You need to be unhurried and fully present. So a stride is walking in a long, desired step with an intentional direction. So the pace we need to move, we need to move with the pace of grace, which is unhurried and fully present. Now I want to talk about the direction that we want to be moving towards, that we as individuals and we as a church corporately should be moving uh, towards, um, I'm kind of going to, this is really almost like a vision Sunday for us. The heart of Refuge Church is this right here. You've heard it several times if you've ever been here. Anything less than Jesus is a weak refuge. We say that. We're saying the world is going to let us down. Your family, they maybe don't want to, but they're going to let you down. Your spouse, they probably don't want to either. They're going to let you down. There is nothing on this planet that's going to come through for you 100% of the time. That's not how it works. But Jesus, you can take what Jesus says to the bank each and every time. He is the one and the only one who will never fail you. And it might not be, he might not come through in our timing or in the way that we think, but he's going to come through. We need to walk through our lives with this kind of attitude. That You know what? People are gonna let you down. Like, it's a lot easier to know, like, in any relationship that they're going to let me down. They're not Jesus. I shouldn't expect them to be perfect. But what we do is when people let us down, we get really frustrated. We get really hurt. We get really angry. We get really mad. And there's some space for that. I'm not saying that it's okay for people just to do wrong. But I think a lot of times we hold people to a perfect standard, and they're not God. We're putting our hope. We're putting our refuge in people or in money or in a bank account. And it's not always going to deliver. It's like getting frustrated at a pig playing in the mud. That's what pigs do, right? And we're setting ourselves up for failure if we're counting on people like that. Don't be disappointed or surprised when the world lets you down. Take refuge in Jesus, right? He will never fail you. He'll never fail you. Uh, our vision is over here. It's we want you to encounter God and experience refuge. That's the vision we have for each and every person in here, that you would encounter God. Not that you go through a class, not that you'd pray a prayer, but that you'd have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. And here's the best part. When you encounter God in that way, when you have a personal relationship in a way that's real and personal, it gives you the best refuge you could ever have. I heard, I heard one pastor say it this way, and I really love it. You can relax in Jesus. Relax. When was the last time you just 
<sighs> relaxed in Jesus. They just trust him. He's going to take care of it. He's got this. I'm not going to stress about it. Because here's the deal. When you operate the way God designed you to operate, you have the best refuge. And here's another thing. A refuge is a safe place. Uh, it doesn't prevent the storms of life from coming. It just keeps you protected uh, from them when they come. Right? It's not that the rain didn't come. It's that you have a covering to protect you from that. Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. You guys have probably heard this a few times. I sneak it into as many sermons as I can, but it says this. Let all that I am quiet, wait quietly before the Lord, for my hope is in him. Let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord. My hope is in him. He alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. No enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him, for God is our refuge. There's a lot to unpack there. I just want hit to a, hit a few things. When was the last time you waited quietly on God? That's not a strong suit for a lot of us. Our pace is really fast, uh, and we don't like to wait. And even if we're waiting on God, uh, we're usually not that quiet about it. Hey, uh, I got this thing over here. I just waiting to come through. Uh, when was the last time you waited quietly on God, that you just had a silent confidence that God's got this. He's going to make it work. He's our unshakable fortress. Why would we run to anything else? Our victory and our honor comes from him alone. And it says, pour out your heart before him. God is our refuge. God can handle whatever mess is going on in your life right now. I promise it's not too much for him. Come to him. Pour out your heart. Doesn't matter what, what baggage you're bringing to the table, he ain't moving. He's going to stay right there. He's your rock where no enemy can reach you. That's what we want. That's the vision we have for this church. That's the vision we have for each and every person individually to encounter God in this real way and experience refuge where you're safe. No enemy can reach you. And, and our mission, uh, we exist for everyone to know Jesus and to become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. All right, this church is for, all caps, everyone. We want everyone to know Jesus. No caveats, no qualifications, no asterisk. We want everyone to know Jesus. It's not, it's not our job to change people. It's our job to share Jesus with people. And guess what? Jesus changes people. It's our job to love people just like Jesus did. Does that mean I agree with everybody who comes in here or everybody who might come in here or who will come in here? No. It's not my job to point fingers and to burn down other people's opinions. That just makes me an arsonist, right? It's my job to love them and to love them like Jesus because Jesus changes people. We want everybody to know Jesus, last part, and to become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. That last part is an excerpt from uh, Philippians 3. And here's the whole passage. I want to read it. It's one that I think just has a ton of power in it. Uh, if you're following along in the Bible app, all these verses are here for you to watch, to see on your phone. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may know God, that I may, be, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, 
perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. That I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, that I may share his sufferings as to be continually transformed into spirit, in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, that if possible, I may attain the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the, the dead, even while in the body. All right, so our mission here, we want everybody to know Jesus and to become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. That's, that's straight out of scripture, all right? So we want to progressively I think this is important because I think people get it, get it wrong. Jesus saves you in an instant, yes, but your, your uh, process of becoming more like him, it's progressive. It's not a switch that you flip. It's like, I'm perfect. Ah, that ain't life. Um, so to become more like Jesus progressively, to be, become more deeply and intimately acquainted, to, to put it clearly, we want to be more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. I had somebody uh, tell me, 1% better. Right, 1% better every day. So it's not a flip that we switch. It's more like a dimmer where it's slowly getting brighter and brighter. That's what we want in our relationship. That's what we want our relationship with God to look like. It's not going to be like we're perfect, but are we on the right path of becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him? Do you know him? That's what we want. And then I want to wrap up here with just some values. And we're gonna, I'm going to hit you with them, and then I'm going to dive into each one just a little bit. You've probably heard some of these before, too. Uh, and this is what we want our summer stride to look like. We want to embody these things that we're talking about. Uh, our, our values here are this, holistic health, intentional multiplication, real family. And then the final value, and I think this is the box that these other three fit inside, um, is serious fun, all right? Uh, we want to have fun, right? Uh, that's, this is our direction. This is what we're aiming for, uh, and that's what we want to be walking towards. We want holistic health for you. And when we say holistic, we mean uh, every part of you to be healthy, to be healthy physically, to be healthy uh, mentally, to be healthy uh, spiritually, and to be healthy, rela healthy relationally, to be in good relationship with those people around you. Uh, because a healthy you is uh, a sustainable you, okay? Here's what I mean by that. We want you to be an oak of righteousness, an oak of righteousness. What, what a lot of Christians feel like, they feel like they're a mushroom of righteousness. Like it just pops up overnight, and then it's gone. Like that's what a mushroom does. You, you go to bed, it's not there. You wake up the next morning, and you're like, whoa, where did, that, where did that mushroom come from? It just pops up overnight, and then it's gone really quickly. But an oak... An oak starts out small. It doesn't shoot up and grow by great leaps and bounds. No, it's small, steady, faithful growth, and it's growing that way because it's going to give it strength. In Isaiah 61, verse 3, it says this, In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. I want you to be healthy in every area of life so you can... See God do great things through you. And here's the deal. That happens over time. It's not an instant. It's not a light switch. It's a dimmer. Right? Crock pot, not microwave. Remember, Jesus was never in a hurry. We need to trust God and do the work of getting healthy and staying healthy. The next value is intentional multiplication. We're to be intentional about multiplying. And I get questions a lot when I, when I talk about this one to people. Um, intentional about multiplying what? what? What are we trying to multiply uh, and my answer is, is pretty much 
everything, right? We want to multiply it all. So we desire for, to multiply our team members and our team leads to better serve our community. We desire to multiply groups uh, so more people can have their circle, to have their tribe. We desire to multiply services so we can make space for those who don't know Jesus. We desire to multiply churches because it's not about us. It's about the kingdom. To, to see God multiply all these things because they help with the faithful, with help us to be faithful to the mission that God has called us to. And this is what he's called us to, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We've got to be intentional about multiplying because it's not about the people in this room. It's always, it's always about the next one. We make it about us. We minimize the impact we can have because God's plans involve a lot more than just the people in this room. God's plans involve a lot more than just you He's thinking bigger than that. We have to be intentional about multiplying. All right, next one, real family. We all need people who know us. Do you have people who know you? Um, I think we all need people who can, we can go connect with, and they could say, how you doing? And uh, you could say, good, and they could be like, uh, I had somebody this week say, I feel a disturbance in the force, all right? I was like, good. I was like, I feel a disturbance in the force. And I was like, yeah, man, it's been a rough week. Like, I just can't get, kind of like what I was saying, I've been really, really trying to get this going, and I just can't get the stuff I want to get done. Uh, we need people who can do that to us. Do you have that when people are in tune with what's going on with you? You need real family. They can celebrate wins with you. They can weep with you. We need our tribe. Um, and that's more than a Sunday service. That, that's so much more than a Sunday service, and I love Sundays. It's, it's so much fun. It's an encouraging time, but we need to have more than that. Uh, there's a Tim Keller quote that says, to be fully known and to be fully loved is a lot like being loved by God. And that's what a family is. Um, when a family is around a table and something goes crazy, can I get an amen to crazy stuff happen around the family table? Um, all right, when, when family's around the table and something goes crazy, uh, family doesn't push away from the table. That's not family. When, when crap hits the fan, uh, they don't push away from the table. Family, they dig in. They lean in and they say, I'm doing this, we're gonna fix this. We're gonna be a part of this together. They can't be scared away because they're committed. They're committed to each other, even when it's a challenge. We need people who are gonna do that, who are gonna lean in with us and not push away when things get hard. Because life, life can be hard. Following Jesus was never meant to be a solitary adventure. We need our people, we need our tribe, we need our circle. Our last value is this, series fun. Um, y'all, life is too short to not enjoy it. Like, I've heard it said, the older you get, the faster life goes. And, like, I mean, you hear that as a kid, and you're like, yeah, whatever, you're just old. And now I'm like, Phew, I got three kids. Man, it's moving pretty quick. Um, uh, I heard someone ask this question, and I thought it was a really good way of looking at it. Would you take $10 million right now? Someone give you $10 million right now. If you knew you wouldn't wake up tomorrow, Nope. Yeah, maybe finish the question before you answer. Hey, hey, no, you wouldn't. None of us would. Uh, and he says, so you're telling me that waking up tomorrow is a $10 million opportunity. Why don't we look at life like that? Why don't we wake up ready to go? Why don't we wake up ready to serve God, ready to see him do great things? Guys, life is a tremendous blessing. Don't squander it by not having a good time. Enjoy your life. Have fun. Uh, this value should have its fingerprints all over everything that we do. It should. It's an approach to life to have a good time. 
Uh, we read the end of the book. We know that Jesus wins. We're on the winning side. Why don't we live lives like that? Uh, I got a story, and this was, I don't know why this just popped into my mind. Um, as I was preparing, uh, growing up one time, we were helping some people from the church move. And so we're helping these people move. I, I think at this time they were going to go to Bible college, they're going to be missionaries, if I remember right. And these two guys are moving a piece of furniture. And it's like really big. I don't remember what it was, like a cabinet or something. And on the top, there's like just crazy dusty because like nobody dusts. Unless you're super tall and see that stuff, like nobody really checks it out. Um, and so uh, one guy goes up, notices that it's kind of dusty. He goes, hey, Jim. Jim peeks, his, Jim peeks his head up. And the other guy goes, <laughs> it goes all in Jim's face, right? There's dust all in his eyes. It's like all in it. It's a simple prank, prank a gag. Um, I don't think I've seen somebody laugh so hard at getting a bunch of dust in their eyes ever. Like crazy hyena laughing, red face. I'll never forget it. He is dying laughing. From what? They're sweating here, moving these people out of this house. From a bunch of dust going in his eyes. All right, that's not a funny thing to happen. All right, it's just having fun with the people around you, making the most. Life can be hard. Don't be so busy trying to make it through that you forget to enjoy it. We've got to enjoy it. We've got to look back and see how faithful God has been. We've got to enjoy the moments that we're in, even when they're hard. Um, I've got, got a few stories I kind of want to look back and just see some things that I want to celebrate. Just, and they're not necessarily, they might not sound crazy or they might not sound big to you, but these are the type of things that we've prayed for when we wanted to plant this church. We wanted to start a church. These are the types of stories that we wanted to see. I just want to champion them. Um, there's just a few quotes that we've had just along the way. Uh, and I'm not trying to say all these are perfect, uh, but here's the deal. It's progressively over time going to happen. It's not a light switch. These are just steps that we've seen along the way that have really just encouraged me. I heard this one said, this is the first time I felt like I can lead my family spiritually. This is the first time ever I can lead my family spiritually. That ain't going to get an amen, a clap, nothing. Like, come on, that's an amazing thing. That's what we want. We want to lead families. We want you guys to, to step up and to lead in your household, to lead faithfully. Uh, another one said, I've never felt more comfortable in a church than here. This is someone who was here at 730, sweating during setup, uh, a few times swearing during setup, all right? So it wasn't comfortable in the sense of uh, just sitting and being comfortable in the church, like these chairs. No, it was comfortable. These are my people. I had it. That's what we want. Um, I, I mentioned last week about how we had a small group. Somebody's like, hey, you should go for that position. You should go for that job. And then they got the job. Like, we got to encourage them and see that happen, okay? Um, God is moving, and we're seeing people make decisions and to, to take the next step in their faith. And we're seeing new families come and, and join. God is building his church. And you might be sitting there thinking, I got it, but what does it have to do with me? What does it have to do with my summer stride? Uh, just a couple things. When God is moving... He wants you to be a part of it. Don't miss an opportunity. Because here's the deal, as we enter into the summer season, we hit the summer stride, it's really easy when we lose that routine of school to kind of let church fall by the way so like it was an extra. And I heard somebody say it this way, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't, I don't remember 99% of the meals I've ever had. But they kept me fed. Hmm. You guys might not remember this message by the time you get to the parking lot or by the time you get to the donut table out there, but I hope it keeps you full. I hope that you're fed. 
We might not remember 99% of them, but they've kept us fed. I think it's the same way with our meals as it is with church. We need to stick to the path that God's laid out. I think that as we've talked about some of the mission and the values, and uh, I, I believe this. I believe that God has put some things on your heart. As you think about your summer stride, think about where we want to be headed, the pace and the direction, that, that maybe there's some things that you need to start doing, some new habits, some new disciplines. And, and maybe, maybe there's some things that you feel like, maybe I need to stop doing that. Maybe, maybe that's the tail wagging the dog. And, and maybe you're just not sure what to do. I don't know if that's me or maybe, maybe that's God. Um, I want to encourage you that, that faith is going without knowing. Faith is going without knowing. Excuse me. Uh, most of us, can I say it myself? This is kind of a paradigm shift for me. And, and part of the reason why we're here is uh, most of us, we want to take faith steps when we don't know what we're going to do. When we're at about 80%, 90%, 95%. 99%, and then we take that 1% face that we're like, oh, I made it, right? Because we were so sure. We're sure that it's going to work out. We're sure that God is in this. We're sure that everything's going to work out. 80%, 90%, 95%, 99%. That's when we take a change. But what if, what if God is calling you to have a greater capacity to operate in faith? What if you said yes to God? Say, I'm at 51%. That means it's more God than it is me. I'm going for it. When I get to 51% that I think you're telling me to do something, God, I'm going to go for it. Having a 51% faith, guys, that would change our community. That would change your life. Because a lot of us, if we're honest, we really wait till it's like 90% and then we go. And faith is knowing, going without knowing. You can't wait till you know it all. That's not, that's not faith. We're going to have big, bold audacious faith that's at 51 percent saying i'm gonna trust god i know i think it's more him than it is me you gotta go for it and here's the here's the amazing thing about having that kind of faith now one of two things happens when you take that 51 percent step it's like indiana jones where he walks across the thing he can't see it now, one of two things happens when you take that first step god makes it happen he makes it all come together that's option one Option two, you take that step and you fall and it doesn't work out the way that you thought it was going to. But guess what? You learned from it. He's prepared you to do the next thing because guess what? I think sometimes it's not that God wants us to have this perfect situation. It's that he wants us to trust him and to take the next step. If we have that 51% faith. We take those steps, there's two things that can happen. He can make it happen, or we can learn from it, and we can grow, and he's prepared us for the next faith step. So our summer stride, walking in a desired long step with an intentional direction. Just a few things as we kind of wrap up. Work to find the right pace for you. The right pace. Right? The pace of grace. Some of us are pretty high strung. We like to go get it. Can I just tell you, your pace is closer to a walk than it is to a jog. It is. Maybe you're going too fast. And be intentional about the direction that you and your family are moving. Be intentional about the direction you're going. 
if you don't set that direction, somebody else will. And their direction is not going to be to make you more like Jesus. It's going to be to make you more money or to have more time or to have more opportunity. It's going to be something that's not Jesus. Be intentional and set that direction. And when you mess up, which you're going to, we all are, be as gracious to yourself as God is with you. Get back up and keep pursuing Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. You've never had a personal relationship with him. He loves you so much. And today he would love to start a relationship with you. He loves you so much. He died on the cross for your sins so that you could spend eternity with him in heaven. And three days later, after his death, he rose again. And as followers of Jesus, that is what our hope is in. If he can take his death on the cross and make good come from that, he can take anything in your life and make good come from it. Let's pray.